What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, now powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. We were promised a Wrestle Kingdom wrap-up episode. Rick and I are here after a, a very, very brief nap, and we're going to try to wrap up Wrestle Kingdom for you and, and digest what we just saw. We would like to thank all of you that followed along in the Hameen Media discussion group. We were about 620 comments strong, which for Wrestle Kingdom just blows me out of the water. Thank you very much for uh, following along. Hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. Joined as always alongside the NATO to my Okada. Rick, welcome to the show. Jargo, it is great to be back, brother. You know, to put aside, you know, we're kind of, we're going off script here today to put all aside, you know, what a, what a great show. We were just hours removed from... You know what is going? What is already going to be the measuring stick for events throughout the entire, the entire wrestling realm for, for the rest of 2018? Like you said, there, man, it it it, it was a long night and an, an entertaining night. Uh, long, nonetheless. What what were we at? You know, it was 2 a.m. here, 1 a.m. where you are, uh, and it wrapped up. Probably what just a little over six hours after the entire night. Yeah, it was it was about a six hour show. Uh, my question to you: How did you feel after Wrestle Kingdom, as opposed to how people feel after WrestleMania? Because WrestleMania is exhausting for me, and I don't feel like I watched a six hour show. What I would say, what is a, a huge difference there? You know, I was kind of just talking to maybe the time for me. I, I was definitely ready to go to bed. Uh, Okay, here's here's great. Here's here's the big difference between the two, and it, it it is hard for me to judge because you know I am more familiar with the WWE product. I, I consume that product at, at much greater levels than I do anything else, uh, especially New Japan. Here's the big difference, though. You know, WrestleMania here goes off our time, eleven thirty midnight, and I'm waiting for it to end. Go to bed afterwards and and fighting it off. This one. It wasn't so much, I am tired, I'm tired as hell, but I'm going to make sure that I'm sitting all the way to that final three count to make sure that I don't miss a minute of the action. It kept me on the edge of my seat. It kept me pushing myself, whereas at WrestleMania, you know, I can just catch up on it later. Uh, You actually asked me shortly before we went on the air what I would rate this show, and I'm kind of in that four, four and a half out of five stars. You said you were right around four stars. I don't think it was as good as Wrestle Kingdom last year. Uh, I mean, the top of the card last year, I mean, you had Omega and Okada, and NATO and Okada was good. Jericho and Omega was good. But I don't think there was anything that was that level of superiority like we saw last year. That's just kind of my takeaway as a whole. I, I did watch, you know, I, I watched last year. I am going to have to agree with you. Um, I think during the show, I felt more excited and especially post-show, more than excited than I am now. That's not to take anything away from what we witnessed here with this year's Wrestle Kingdom. Tremendous show. But, you know, you, you Every year is not going to outdo the, the previous year. I mean, that's just a fact of life. Do you kind of looking at this here? How much did that late edition of Jericho Omega really elevate this card in your in your eyes? Because you're talking, you know, last year was, I mean, a spectacular lineup. Uh, without without that match, I mean, how would this have fit together? I mean, what would they have done with Omega? Well, I think it's a, a little bit of a combination of everything. I, I, I feel like this show was very much a perfect storm of events for this to happen. I mean, if you didn't have Wrestle Kingdom last year and the success of Wrestle Kingdom and the buzz coming out of Wrestle Kingdom, Jericho never goes there to begin with. So, I mean, it's it's just been this culmination of events to where the casual fan is now much more aware of new Japan pro wrestling. Jericho's the icing on the cake that puts the whole damn thing over. That's very much how I felt about it. Interesting. Interesting. Let's say what, uh, one other plug before we really jump, jump into this thing you had mentioned, uh, you know, I'm over here checking out now the, the Hami media discussion group on Facebook. And I, I just want to you know, reiterate what you were saying, man, major props to all of those. Who joined in a live discussion? What'd you say? Over six hundred comments. Six hundred and twenty is what my phone said. 
that that is that is just incredible. You know, there were, everyone there seemed excited. Uh, they, they appreciated what was going on. Some great insights into the show. Uh, major shout out to everyone that that stuck it out. That was up late, especially the East Coasters. I know those out west. It was a little easier for them. I think what time the show get going on about eleven thirty p.m. for them. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit, a little bit easier for them. But you know, everyone that stuck it out and, and participated, man, what what a great effort! It just shows you how how strong we are over the uh, the Hamid Media Discussion Group on Facebook and and the entire Hacker Hamid Media Group realm. Uh, I wouldn't typically talk about the rumble and there's not a whole lot to talk about other than it was a great story with Kakiara winning uh, the promo that he delivered afterwards. Absolutely great. Uh, my only issue, and I really wish new Japan would stop doing this. They show the rumble and then they go back to the loading screen. They need something in that 20 minutes to keep people glued to the TV as opposed to falling asleep. Because it was just the same damn graphic for like 20 freaking minutes. And, and you know, going in, you had kind of, you prepared me for that. I didn't remember that from last year. So I, you know, I was kind of expecting it. And I knew to go find something to occupy myself. But I was worried, you know, that, you know, other people that they're not familiar. You know, your Western fan isn't familiar with that. You know, we're constantly getting that content. Even if it's just video package, video package, video package, they're giving us something. This was something very different, and I was hoping that it didn't scare some individuals off, and I hope it didn't. Yeah, that was that was kind of my fear as well. Uh, the show itself kicks off. Um, number one, I want to talk about the production of Wrestle Kingdom. Well, let me ask one thing about the Rumble real quick. Okay, go ahead. I was kind of expecting, you know, you, you've got Jericho, Omega. You've got this great uh, Western draw, the boom going on there. People are interested around the globe. I was expecting some legends from, you know, more familiar with your Western fans. Yeah, I, I, I did very much expect a Scott Norton. Scott Norton was huge in Japan for those who didn't know. I, I know he was he, he was big time over there, but I even like last year, like Billy Gunn got an amazing pop. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, this year it was much more, uh, your Jushin Liger, I think, had the biggest pop. Right. Liger, Tiger Mask. Uh, and then who was the uh, the gentleman like the, the most decorated tag team champion? Hell, I don't know, man. I kind of zoned out during the rumble. Okay. Honestly. Wait, wait, anyway, you know, it was it was a nice little starter. I just expected to see some more familiar faces to maybe get those Western fans maybe a little more excited about the show. And then, like you said, and they they need to they need to do something besides the, the load screen. Once Kitamura was out, I was I was checked out. Really like that kid. That kid's going to be freaking huge. God, I hope they send him to Ring of Honor instead of CMLL. Uh, Hold on, hold on. You know, my, my highlight of the Rumble here, and, and one of my highlights of Wrestle Kingdom, anytime I watch New Japan, uh, what was it, Peter? But the bunny? What's yeah, his name? Bunny, yeah. The the, okay. the the Tokyo Pimps Valet. You know, and it, yes. and it's funny because I was thinking about that, you know, Yujiro Takahashi and Nato at one time were a tag team. Talk about, you know, different career paths. One's in the opening rumble and one's in the main event. No limit. Now, one one's got bunny though. Yeah, there is that. There is that. The win for Yujiro. Um, so the show kicks off. We get our first look at the the full-on set because they don't even show you really the full-on set for Wrestle Kingdom during the Rumble. It's very much just a tease. What do you think of the production value of Wrestle Kingdom? I mean, I feel like it's very much on par with a WrestleMania, just the way it looks, the way it feels. There's something about the Tokyo Dome, man. That place was rocking tonight. Well, you could tell you, you've got that. It's probably one of the most unique, uh, just the, the or the, the mystic feeling around the Tokyo Dome, you know, just like Madison Square Garden. Yeah, very anything, much. Anything you have there, it's just going to, it's, it's just going to have a feel of its own. You just know it's special because of the location. They, it, it's a big show. They present it that way. They dress that thing up, man. Them video screens and shit. That's pretty cool. It gets better every year. There, there, there is no denying WWE is one of the greatest production companies in the world. They do an amazing job when, you know, especially on the biggest stage like that. But there were so many little subtleties that go into the Wrestle Kingdom event that I, I prefer much, much more than anything with WWE. WWE, at times, you know, trying to come off so much with the, the showbiz angle, where Wrestle Kingdom, you got the feeling... 
that you were at a at a real major sporting event. Yeah, it, it's like the Super Bowl of wrestling, and it feels like the Super Bowl of wrestling. This show felt more like the Super Bowl to me than WrestleMania does. Yep, yep, and it's all in the presentation. Also, yeah, also, just, before I forget, mad love to Don Callis and Kevin Kelly. They called one hell of a show. We rip on the commentary all the time. Those guys called one hell of a show. I, I, I was going to ask you about those, but one little subtlety, like in the production, that kind of stood out to me. You know, I love the different crowd shots, you know, and I love the different angles that are coming up, but even how it feels like a professional, a professional presentation, something so simple as when – like the Young Bucks come out, you get Nick and Mac Jackson, the Young Bucks, and then you, you hear it in English, but then you get the official announcement for the home arena from the Japanese announcer. Yeah. It's just those little subtlety things there, you know, it's just, they just kind of, you know, I popped for them. It felt more like I was watching an actual combat sport. This was a real sporting event as opposed to an over-the-top Broadway production. So you bring up the Young Bucks. We have the Young Bucks. Let's get to this commentary, man. Oh, yeah. okay. You want to talk commentary? I, I got some questions here for you. I, All right. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I did notice in the group, you know, we, there was quite a few people who had mentioned, do you think that they were getting too smart? It's New Japan. They, it, it, if there was ever a show that is marketed to the smarks of the Western audience, it's New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, we, we, we rail on WWE for insulting our intelligence all the time. New Japan doesn't do that. Yeah, they're using insider terms. Yeah, it's smarky commentary. But you know what? They know who their freaking audience is. And that's, that's why I didn't get into it too much. I figured they were, they were targeting a different audience. You know, this is a different, a different beast that I'm used to. So it didn't bother me as much. But hell, you know, early pop of the night has to go to Cyrus, who just drops, you know, the Bucks are in the ring taking care of business, and he comes out with, you know, if I was running a wrestling company, I might reach out to these two. Yeah, yeah. I, I took note of that as well. It was like, oh boy, the return of Generation Me. Wouldn't that be something? I don't know, man. I don't know. So we talked a little bit off air, and you made the comment that this – kind of took you a little bit off guard because this was a very different Young Bucks than what you're used to seeing. The Young Bucks are portrayed very differently in Japan than they are at PWG and Ring of Honor. Uh, it, it was almost like a, I was watching a completely different team. You know, I'm, I'm more familiar with, you know, them through being the elite, them through Ring of Honor, them through, you know, the different independents in Western society. Where it is more, you know, it's about super kick party. It's it's about more of the character, the dot dot dive, hitting all your spots. This was a much, a much more competitive, realistic, uh, fierce young bucks. Uh, and as we were talking before, we went on the air here. I don't really want to say it was probably the best I'd ever seen them. I really didn't have to think, sit back and think. But you know, just coming off the top of my head. This might be the best I have ever seen them. Uh, a much, much new respect towards them as in-ring competitors. Man, I think this crap that we're getting here in the States with them is, is a huge disservice to how talented these guys are. Well, and it's not that they didn't still have their comedy spots and that they didn't still hit all their high spots. I mean, the, the Bucks did some absolutely insane shit in this match. But it's in a different form of psychology where... It feels like it actually, yeah, I could see why you would do a draping 450 on some crazy-ass plane of existence. Like, your disbelief just can be suspended so much more just in the presentation of what in the hell is going on. Well, you know, anything over here we're getting, I mean, was it It was Nick, right, that was selling the back injury? Yeah. Yep. He was selling the shit out of that thing. Yeah. Over, now, you know, over here in Ring of Honor, that would have been like, lasted for like five seconds and been forgotten about well and not to take anything away from show and yo yo took one hell of a nasty spill out there and i'm still not sure if that was a work or a shoot injury but i did I, love i, I, I loved I thought, I thought the same thing you know but then they, they they went back at him just as hard 
the one thing that I absolutely loved was when nobody was really sure if it was a work or a shoot. The young bucks grab Rocky Romero, drag him up the ramp. The cameras follow him while the doctors are checking on yo. Because uh, as much as you want to pretty big spot with uh, with Rocky as well. As much as you want to rip on the box, they know what the fuck they're doing in there. And God, I bet you they sold a shit ton of merch tonight. So you have the Bucks claiming their seventh IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. That breaks the record. They're going to retire their jerseys at the top of the Tokyo Dome. That's what they're going for. They're now better than Michael Jordan. That's the gimmick. Where, where do you stand with the young Bucks? Do you like the Bucks? Do you hate the Bucks? Because I know you're a Cornette guy. Uh, it, but you know, I love Cornette more for the character and his takes and all that. And hey, everyone out there knows I, I don't agree with everything he says. It's more about how he gets the cross that he does it in an entertaining, in an entertaining manner. I would have tended to agree with him on certain things when it comes to the Bucks. I don't. I haven't enjoyed a lot of let's say the Ring of Honor or Gorillas guerrilla matches it's just not my style it, do, it doesn't entertain me with what they're doing there but then i see something like this and it kind of makes me rethink that uh so I, you know i want to give them more of a chance i want to watch more of these bucks but overall you know just in the business these guys are geniuses man look, look what they're doing they, they got that hot topic deal together they did that themselves they're getting themselves over and then like going like you know, stepping away from the ring with being the elite, I find that entertaining as hell. These these guys know how to work all their angles. The cease and desist did absolutely nothing to them. Absolutely nothing. Oh, sure it did. It took them to the next yeah, level. Yeah, it took them to the next level. That WWE <laughs> yeah. sold for them. Thanks, yeah, guys. It, ele- it elevated them. Uh, the next match was the never open weight six-man tag match, which was kind of a throwaway match. Um, didn't really care. It, it was a train wreck. We knew it was going to be a train wreck. Um, there was a couple of things coming out of both of these matches that was important. I realized number one, when the young bucks won that I was going to have a very long night when it came to my picks, because that kind of screwed things up. Cause I didn't think anybody from bullet club was winning tonight. And then in the second match, the chaos team goes over of Ishii, Yano and Trent this would set the tone. This was not the Los Ingobernables crowning show. This was chaos over strong all freaking night. That was the story of this show. It was chaos slapping LIJ right back down the freaking totem pole where they belong. So, you, so the match did have serve a purpose then. You know, it set the tone that, that chaos was going to rise throughout the evening. But I think we both have to agree this hands down this was probably the worst the worst match of the night it was the worst match of the night and yet one of the big spots that i'm going to remember through the entire night was ishii freaking giving bad luck fale a vertical suplex i popped so freaking hard for that i can't believe ishii got that fat bastard up does um does bad luck is he he looked a little clunky in the ring to me and and i've seen some comments from other people that that were maybe suggesting he wasn't necessarily on his game, but you know, other than that, just looking at that guy, damn, I mean, wow, what an imposing beast! <laughs> yeah, Fale is—he's just kind of Fale. I mean, that's that's pretty much what you get out of Bad Luck Fale about ten months of the year, and then for the G one, he's just a fucking monster, and it's just his size. But I think the thing with Bad Luck Fale is he's got a lot of miles on them knees. And that's a big dude to be carrying around that much weight. The heavy frame to be to be scooting around with. Yeah, my only other thing with this match, you know, there was there was so much going on, and a lot of the big spot, the big maneuvers hit right in the middle of the ring, and then the immediate and this and this goes this goes on, you know, just not here. You see this all the time in wrestling. It's just one of my pet peeves. You get a big spot in the ring. That guy, he should be laid out unconscious there for a little bit. But immediately, it's like, oh, let me hurry up and roll out of the ring so I get the next guy in here for the next spot. Where do you stand on Taro Yano? Because I go back and forth, man. Sometimes that guy just pops me like crazy, and other times, like tonight, I'm just like, God, I fucking hate Toro Yano. All right, I'm looking here. 
Keanu's the comedy guy from Chaos who was just rolling fucking people up left and right. Yeah, I got him here. Now, now I know who you're talking about. He's the Japanese Colt Cabana. Yeah, I, I, he was possibly another another reason that maybe I wasn't exactly feeling this match. Like yeah. you say, there, there is a time and a spot for that. I just didn't feel that this match was it. The only time that I find Yano entertaining really is in the G1 because he always he beats one guy that he never should beat every year. And so it's kind of like his gimmick in the G1. Yep, you just never know when it's coming. You know, that and he like beats the shit out of Suzuki all the time, which is just fucking hilarious. I guess not to to dwell too much on this match. But I know a lot of our listeners, Western fans out there. Was this a goodbye for War Machine? Yes. Well, I think tonight is actually goodbye for War Machine. I, they are advertised for New Year's Dash, but yeah, this is their last stint over there. And Elgin's contract is up and not expected to be renewed. So... Well, I don't expect uh, Elgin to be popping up anywhere uh, prominent anytime soon. You know, he's got some issues that he needs to deal through. Yeah. Uh, but I know a lot of people are, you know, highly anticipating, expecting uh, War Machine to surface up under under the E umbrella. Where does War Machine fit in? I mean, you already have the Bludgeon Brothers. You already have Killian Dane. So I'm not exactly sure where War Machine fits into the WWE landscape. Honestly, I love war machine. I'm just, I, I feel like that window has closed. Uh, I think you still bring them in here because they, there is a little opportunity there. Not, you know, I'm not knocking it for their talent or anything. You're, I mean, we're just talking about gimmicks and character, you know, where do you fit into that narrative? Uh, but with the three brands, keeping people separate, I can see something along those lines. And, and they've shown that, that, they're not afraid to mirror them, to mirror themselves through the brands. That's true. So we can have three different kind of versions of these big ass kickers across three brands. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just like ever since the Bludgeon Brothers came back, I feel like the War Machine window is just closed. I know that Rick is looking forward to this because I'm going to put my foot in my mouth as uh, Kota Ibushi defeats Cody Rhodes in by far the best match I have ever seen Cody Rhodes have, I'm going to look back 10 years from now and think that was Cody Rhodes. That was a fantastic match. I loved every second of it. This was the big match that you've been waiting for, and, and hell, man, what, what, bigger, what bigger platform to, to deliver that to you? Yep, and Kota Ibushi evidently was the right opponent. I wasn't sure how those two were going to match up. I feel like Ibushi absolutely brought the best out of Cody. I feel like Cody absolutely brought the character out of Ibushi. I, everybody wins. Ibushi's more over than he was going into the match. Cody comes back to the States. Just as we thought, Cody goes down. I'm 100% sure now that's why they took the ROH title off of him. was because they found out that Ibushi was going over. They didn't want Ibushi to be the ROH champ. So they take the title off of him. No problem. Yeah. You know, just speaking to the match itself, these guys had a tremendous chemistry. As you, you said it perfectly, man, I really can't sum it up anymore. You know, one brought out the talent, one brought out the character. Those are the two elements you need for the perfect storm for a tremendous wrestling match. It was fantastic. Uh, now there is rumblings that the winner of this match was going to be the next number one contender for the title. Given what happened later on in this show, cannot fucking wait for that match. Cannot fucking wait. Then I got a little bit of a cock tease as we get L.I.J., Evil and Sonata going over the Killer Elite Squad, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer. Um, I was a little surprised in the booking of this match. I thought that they made Killer Elite Squad look like the freaking killer elite squad. I mean, they just basically pounded the ever loving piss out of evil and Sonata until the finish kind of came out of nowhere and Sonata got the pinfall. I was a little disappointed in the match. I was hoping for more, you know, is keep going to, you know, you watch this a lot more than I do, but coming in, I had an understanding. I expect this to be more of a, an evenly contested matchup. Yeah, me too. Me too. But no, it was Killer Elite Squad just pummeling Evil and Sonata. 
do you, what do you see behind it? I mean, what what do you think the logic would be in that booking scenario? I don't know. I don't know. Other than they were trying to get Lij over as the baby faces for the show for the for the duration of the rest of the show. I mean, the more sympathy that you put on Sonata and Evil, the more sympathy Hiromu is going to have, and the more sympathy Naito is going to have coming into the main event. That I guess is my justification and logic. Um, I saw William Alicia made a comment. He was like, you know, there, I understand LIJ is going over here, but there's no way that they should beat Killer Elite Squad. That was kind of how that match felt. Like LIJ just kind of squeaked one out. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on with Killer Elite Squad, though. They are not advertised for New Year's Dash, and they are not advertised for any New Japan dates going forward. So I'm quite sure that's why they took the titles off of them here, but not really sure what's going on with them. So no rumblings of you know them heading heading to another promotion. Nothing that I've heard. Nothing that uh, I've heard. You know, heading to the UK for a tour or something along. Well, yeah, line. and that's the thing with Davy Boy too is they could be going to the UK and just be doing something that I haven't heard. I mean, it's not uncommon for Killer Elite Squad to disappear for months at a time. Yeah, the quick Google here isn't really showing anything with them, so. So it's something to keep an eye on. You know, if anybody out there listening knows what's going on with these guys, uh, any rumors or rumblings, most definitely to fill us in on it. Next match also was just kind of a pummeling. Goto and Suzuki. Goto going over, claiming the never overweight championship. Didn't really care. I knew Suzuki was just going to beat the ever-loving shit out of Goto, and boy, howdy, did he. I would be amazed if Goto can see today because his face is going to be incredibly swollen. My God, Suzuki just pummeled this man. Goto ends up going over, Suzuki being the honorable man that he is, shaves his own fucking head in the middle of the ring. Like, I loved it when he grabs the chair, comes in, knocks the chair that Goto had set up for him out of the ring, sits down in his own chair, just grabs a clipper, shaves his own head, throws the hair down. I think it was you know, a nice touch, like, hey, you know what? He's an honorable man. Well, he's an honorable man. I was kind of taking it as, you know, he is, but I was kind of taking it as, you know what? Yeah, you just got one over on me. I'm taking this moment from you. I'll do it myself. Yeah. Suzuki is such a fucking badass, dude. Like, every time I watch a Suzuki match, it's kind of like watching Braun Strowman against, like, the 205 Live guys. Like, I don't feel like Suzuki should ever lose a match because that guy is such a legit badass that every time somebody beats him, I'm just like, oh, he got lucky. But every match is the same. It's just Suzuki kicking the fucking shit out of people. Like, I'm not sure that there's any work to Suzuki. He just goes in there and beats the shit out of people. I would be terrified if somebody was like, oh, you're going to be ringside for a Suzuki match. Fuck you, I am. I'm going to be in the bathroom. He's beating up young boys. He's beating up referees. Suzuki terrifies me. Guy's the devil. Well, what's your thought like on the booking here? I mean, we essentially back-to-back matches where we had just dominance from one side. Like I was talking about with uh, Billy Ray Valentine and 8-Track Brown, Hiroki Goto is the Roman Reigns of New Japan Pro Wrestling. They love his look. They love his work. He's a decent talent in the ring. He has just never connected with the fans. And here we go again with like attempt number five that they're going to put a title on Goto and see if we can do anything with it and he'll fail miserably and he'll be back at the bottom of the card by the end of the new Japan cup. That's the story of Hiroki Goto. And it's sad because he's better than that. He just, there's something about Goto that's just missing. I don't know what it is. Trying to figure out where in the hell I'm at. Uh, I lost myself going, on the run. <laughs> you got, you got, you got Ramlin here. We we are up to uh, we're up to the, one, of, one of the matches that I you know I really didn't enjoy through the evening. You didn't enjoy this match. I, I, I just too much for you. I get. Yeah, I guess it was too much. Too much of the, the dot 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 for me. I, I thought they were trying to sell a little bit. It's not that I, I didn't dislike it. I just wasn't overly into it. I, I, I guess is the best way to put it. A uh, little. They were, they were selling a little bit, but I didn't think enough. You know, it was still back to, hey, man, we got to get our shit in. Of course, we're talking about the IWGP 
junior heavyweight championship fatal four-way match Kushida versus Hiromu versus Marty Skrull versus the victorious Will Ospreay guess which fashion he belongs to chaos very much sets the tone um there was a lot of titles changing hands there's way too many freaking titles in New Japan I enjoyed this match I thought it was fun I got it probably about the third best match on the card but yeah, I can absolutely see where you would be like, oh my God, just just get this match over with. Just get it over with, knowing your taste in wrestling, you know? Yeah, and it's sitting at 20, over 21 minutes. It, it ran a bit long for me. Yeah, maybe that's just the, the Western-based fan of me. You know, I'm, I'm used to these types of matches just going up, you know, getting their 10, 12 minutes. Uh, get all your shit in. Let's just go 100 miles per hour. But... Marty yeah, Skrull. It, what did you it, think of Marty? Always love Marty, man. I think he's one of, you know, one of the best talents in the I world. I mean, Marty is about as old school of a professional wrestler as you can get. I, I just see Marty Skrull. Like, if there was a 205 Live guy in Rick's world, it would be Marty Skrull. Oh, I would love for them to scoop him up. I uh, definitely, if you want to, if they actually, you want to start. Getting some eyes on that product, you need individuals like Skrull. Yeah, when Marty's contract comes up, I'm I'm pretty sure you could just start throwing money at that guy if you want to get 205 Live over. I mean, everything from the entrance to the way he presents himself in the ring to tying Hiromu to the barrier, I, he's the villain. And he loves that character, and boy has he embraced that character. And it's fan-freaking-tastic. Plague Mask. He's fucking becoming Birdman. He had wings tonight. My God. Now, we've seen, you know, this match. Is there anything else you really want to touch on this match? Because there's something that, I, that trend in the card I wanted to bring up and get your take on. The only thing that pissed me off in this match is that Will Ospreay pinned Marty Skrull. That's the only thing that pissed me off. Because that never happens. That's never happened. Will Ospreay has never pinned Marty Skrull in any promotion. And to have it here within a multi-man match. And they kind of and, and to use it here just kind of feels like they blew their load. I mean, if, if you wanted Osprey to go over, you should have had him pin Kushida. But and then, and then save this moment between these two for a one-on-one. For one a one-on-one on one when it means something. Yep. Uh, now, now, we've seen so many title changes. You know, up to this point, we're, we're up to our seventh, seventh match in the show, including the pre-show. Only two matches were not title matches so far, and we've seen so many title changes. As this was happening to you in real time, what were your thoughts going into these final three matches? Well, I still thought Tanahashi was going to drop the Intercontinental title. I absolutely, thoroughly believe that this was the last time we were going to see the ace for about six months. Omega Jericho, I was very 50-50 going into it. Although you did make your bold statement, you didn't think Bullet Club was winning a match. Yep. But I was very, I was, I could see justification for booking it either way. You know, I mean, okay. I, I was very 50-50. I just didn't think that right. they were going to put anybody from Bullet Club over. And then I absolutely thought they were going to put this title on Naito tonight. Absolutely thought it. Uh, I know we're, I know we're getting ready to break all those down, but I was just wanting to get your take on, because you've seen this trend coming. It's like, all right, how... Are we going to keep this thing going, or are they going to hold true with their champion in, in these in these last three big matches? But I also thought that it was smart that all the way that this card was booked, all the chaos matches were earlier in the card. So by the time you got to Okada and Naito, you weren't thinking about the fact that chaos has taken three titles already tonight. But so now you can a, look it, back it on it. Of, it gave you that breathing room there. You can look Bro. back on it and be like, oh... We thought this show was about LIJ. No, no, no. This show was about chaos. And because chaos has kind of been down, I mean, while Okada's been champion, chaos as a faction has kind of been down since Nakamura left. I thought this was the rising of chaos. That's very much what I got out of this show. Uh, Tanahashi goes over Switchblade Jay White. I am just not feeling Switchblade Jay White. I am just not feeling that guy in that character. When I first started seeing the vignettes, I thought that was going to be Sammy Callahan. 
and he would have done so much more with this Switchblade character than what Jay White is giving us. I was surprised to see Tanahashi go over. Very surprised. Was, was you know because they were running those vignettes, and I and I remember you were regularly bringing those up to me. You were really excited, as you said, you were gearing towards that being Sammy Callahan. Was was Jay White always slotted into this, or was this like a last minute substitution? Because even when they did a introduce him i don't know maybe if you had maybe you build it up in my head a certain way but it see it seemed like from the get-go it was a little flat yeah very much so because well jay white just never had an evil bone in his body the entire time he was a young boy the entire time he was in ring of honor and maybe maybe it's clicking for the japanese audience who didn't see his ring of honor work and haven't seen him for the last year and a half you know but for the american audience it, i just think it's fallen flat um there's something about Jay White that I just I could never quite put my finger on what it was I disliked about the guy. He very much reminds me of a very young Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Well, you know, just sitting here looking at him, nothing about this guy just, you know, just imagery physically screams badass. No. Like I, I said, mean, Sammy Callahan in that role would have been amazing. But he, I mean, I just pulled up some photos over here. I mean, he legit has a baby face. Yeah, yeah. Clean cut kid. I mean, the, the the hairdo is basically new. The dark hairdo. Right. And the trunks look like he just raided Baron Corbin's throwaway closet. I mean, the trench coat's cool, but, you know, a black leather trench coat's always going to be cool. It's just, eh, eh. Yeah, just, just ask the McMahon family. Yeah. Then we get to the two... What they were calling co-main events, which just pisses me off. I, I, I know you were getting mad about it, and every time they said it, you know, I was sitting Every there, time, like, man. I, I bet you, man, he's just, that blood pressure's just rising just a little bit each time. Did you did you listen to any of this in the Japanese commentary? No, I did not. I was curious, I, I would be curious to know how they were putting this over. Were, was it them doing it? Because to me, this just screamed uh, English commentary. Something yeah. they were running with. Yeah, I, I kind of think so, too. But so we have Kenny Omega defeating Chris Jericho after he hits the one-winged angel onto a chair. I don't even know. I People were pissed off that Meltzer got brought up on this show and the star rating system because they were talking about Vegas betting odds, blah, 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 blah. But my takeaway is I don't know how Meltzer is going to put stars on this match because this match, is it wasn't... I don't even know how to explain it. It was a fantastic match, but it didn't feel like a wrestling match. Well, I think that was by design, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, knew, they knew they had, they, especially with this broader audience coming in to view this event, they needed to separate, this is our blood feud. Yes, we are giving you two familiar stars that that you know over you know, with the Western society and all that. You're going to get these guys, but we're going to give you something completely different but stick around. We're going to show you what New Japan Wrestling's all about with our two top guys. Well, and it's not like Kenny wasn't busting out, you know, Snapdragon suplexes and taking absolutely stupid fucking bumps. Like Jericho just wrestled a Jericho match. There was nothing different about Jericho's move set. It was Jericho, and he took uh, every goddamn bit of Kenny's offense. This was such a beautiful blend of New Japan and WWE throw it in a blender, puke on it a couple of times, and you get Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. And I loved it, but, I mean, how do you call that a five-star match or a four-star match? It was Alpha versus Omega. It's on a plateau all of its own. It will be interesting to see how he approaches it, what his take is. I'm not sure that audio is out there. Uh, so if you happen to stumble upon it, please share it with me. But I was asked before we started recording here that I was in a conversation this morning some individuals and I, I don't think that they had had seen not many of them had seen the rest of the show they but certainly were going out of their way to find the joko mega yeah, match a lot of people were tuning in right around that you know five six o'clock mark depending on your time zone because well, yeah, people, people were getting up out of bed to watch this one. Oh yeah and they, you know they asked me what was my favorite match on on the card and when my answer wasn't this match it seemed like you know I was getting a lot of like, well, what are you talking about, man? This was, right. 
this was great. It, yeah, it was it was a fun match. It was a good match and all that. But just like you said, it just and my answer to them, which is which is great, you did, that we were both on the same page here, was yeah. But I felt like I was just watching another Jericho match. Right. It I've just, seen. I've, I've just seen, watched. I've seen. I probably have seen more Jericho matches than you know, outside of Ric Flair than any other professional wrestler that's ever existed. Yep. I. This is literally if you put down on paper. Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega, no disqualification. This is the match that I would imagine in my head. And it was fantastic. I don't, but I don't know what to say about it. I don't know how you rate it because I mean, it was a hardcore match. It was a technical wrestling match. There were submission holds or Snapdragon suplexes. There's V triggers that I don't know how in the world Jericho doesn't have a freaking concussion at a certain point. Kenny hit, Jericho with one of these V triggers. And I thought Jericho is wondering to himself right now, why am I not in Buffalo, New York wrestling Curtis Axel or Bo Dallas? You know, like Kenny just rocked his freaking world. Is, uh, is Jericho advertised for, he is advertised uh, for new year's dash tonight. I'll be interested to see if he can walk. I mean, you know what? Damn it. I, I'm really interested to see where he's going forward here. I did not want to stay up again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, New Year's Dash, for those that don't know, is basically the Raw after Mania. And you know what we know is booked for the card tonight? Absolutely nothing. But we know that it's going to be something really fucking cool. Well, I, I think, you know, the big difference there, you know, we, we just have come to expect, you know, the Raw after Mania. Now it's more about, all right, who's going to be, who's going to make a debut. The dash is more important, right? Where it's, it begins, it actually sets up what the year is going to tell. Yeah, very much so. Last year, Suzuki Goon returned at New Year's Dash. A couple of years ago, you know, this, this guy that you might have heard of, uh, his name's AJ Styles, debuted at New Year's Dash. Kenny Omega joined the Bullet Club, New Year's Dash. AJ Styles thrown out of the Bullet Club. New Year's Dash. This is a big show. I'm excited to see what the hell happens. Because, yeah, you know, sticking on with this Jericho thing, one, one last thing I saw in a conversation this morning, and I can't remember where I saw it. I, I might have seen it in a few different places. That there is rumor that Jericho is scheduled for the Raw 25. I saw that this morning, and that was the first that I had heard of it. It's the first time I heard of it. Immediately what came to, into my mind, though, is if Jericho can cross cross the lines with kind of what he's telling the story with the Omega. I mean, I would love to see. Wow. I'm sure you would pop this. Jericho comes out and immediately goes after your newly formed Bullet Club WWE and maybe set up a, a moment that evening where him and Balor go out and get 20 Jericho minutes of television Balor. time. Jericho and Balor is a continuation of what's going on with Kenny. It also would not surprise me to see Jericho come out to the ring tonight, put over Kenny Omega as the best in the world, and then also say, I want that other loser's ass, and I want it tonight, and you end up with Naito versus Jericho at New Year's Dash. That would not surprise me in the slightest. After, after seeing the Twitter exchanges going on between Naito and Jericho, God, I would pop so hard for Naito versus say, Jericho. You know, anyone out there listening, you know, for me, I, I just, I'm decided now, I am going to be tuning in to Dash, mainly just to see where this goes there. You know, where are they going to go with Jericho? I mean, this guy has the world in his hands. I mean, we could be witnessing something very special beginning to unfold here in 2018 and, and right around the, the universe of Jericho. At one point, that crowd all booed Jericho in unison, and he couldn't help it. He broke a smile. It's like I've got 40,000 people in the Tokyo Dome booing me. Like, he, he couldn't help it. He popped a little bit. I thought He's that was doing great. His, doing his job, man. Then we had the big main event. The big main event. Main event number one. Kazuchika Okada defeating Tetsuya Naito. Rainmaker, holy shit. I don't even know where to begin with this title run that is Kazuchika Okada. He might hold this title for the next 10 fucking years. You know, talking about, going back to the very beginning of the show, we were talking about production. 
the early production values here in this match, the little nuances that they threw in, the subtleties that they threw in there, uh, one one image really stood out to me, you know, gave me chills. You have Rainmaker across the ring. Uh, his arms are kind of open. He's getting ready to, to remove his robe and all that. And But the camera is over order of NATO. And and you got that, that close, you know, he he's looking off into another direction. You can tell, like, this is my moment. I'm focused. I'm serious. You, it was something special to behold. I thought this entire match was something special to behold. And I, and I also loved even in the beginning, you know, Nathan, when he's taking off his suit and you got the, the referee, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Costly, he's rolling his, rolling his hand. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And Nathan's just like soaking it in, taking his time. Tranquilo. You know, it, it's very funny now seeing Andrade Cien Almas with the NXT championship and NATO as one of the lead characters in New Japan and the similarities between the two of them. That that Los Ingobernables overstrong with both those guys. Cause it's like CN finally figured out how to translate that character to WWE style. NATO has translated that character into New Japan style to a level that is just ridiculous. I love it when he comes out in these big shows in the full on suits, the mask, and you're going to have to wait for five minutes for me to take all my shit off. And I ain't even going to start until after we've both been introduced. Like just the attitude of this guy. And then you get the big Tranquilo spot very early in the match where they're going back and forth, drop down leapfrog and NATO does the roll and just ends up laying there in the middle of the ring. Well, I, you know, I really love the early work in this match. It's just storytelling of just going after Okada's back or neck. The other thing uh, that I thought was interesting, and I don't know if you caught it because I don't know how many Okada matches you've like have religiously watched. This is the first time I've ever seen Okada in pants. And I think the only reason I think that that's at all important is I wonder if there's something going on with his knees. Yeah, okay. See, I, I did pick up on that only because they mentioned it on commentary that both had kind of mixed up their ring attire. Which doesn't surprise me because they wear basically the same ring attire. So I was, so not, I was so, not surprised to see one of them completely change their look for this match. Didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, but like you say, man, maybe there's something there he's trying to cover up or you know, maybe he had a wrap on it or something like that. Well, there was one spot when he like hit uh, the big boot over the top of the barricade, and it seemed like he was having a hard time getting his leg back over the barricade. And I kind of thought, ooh, I wonder if there's something going on with his knee, and he's like covering up a brace or something. So do you think maybe that even, you know, I was just kind of complimenting the early storytelling, working the neck. Maybe is that why they were focusing on the story, you know, the story and match storytelling being let's worry about the upper body and stay away from his legs. Very well could be very well could be. I was, I'm still floored that Okada retained this title again. Like I feel like the story of every Okada match now is, is this the one? And you know, everything they did here, you know, from they seemingly turned these guys, didn't they? Yeah. And then it's like, they turned them back. And well, and then everything up, you know, in that build, you know, like I was saying, you know, that one image over his shoulder, I got chills in it. You know, I'm thinking, there. This is his, this is like his moment, man. There's no way. This is like his Daniel Bryan moment. You know, there's no way he's losing this. It was crazy because when NATO's music hit and that place popped and that place popped hard. Boy, did we! I mean, we talked about the Japanese crowd and how they were going to respond to this show on the pre-show, and boy, did we nail that. I, every once in a while, you know, somebody would throw a punch and you'd hear the crowd go, oh, and that would be about it. Boy, by the time NATO and Okada hit, the Tokyo Dome was a freaking rockin'. NATO comes out and I was like, holy shit, listen to that pop. These people love NATO. And then the coin dropped and I heard the pop for Okada. And I thought, oh shit, this crowd isn't as much behind NATO as I think they wanted them to be. But it seemed, you know, they mentioned it on commentary too, and they were they were pretty correct in their assessment. It seemed like it was almost a 50-50 split. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. What did you think of the match itself? I mean, 
they went what forty minutes, something uh, like that. Right Do you here. have the time on the on yep. the match? Uh, thirty six thirty. Thirty six thirty. Okada can't beat anybody in a half un, in under a half hour. That's become part of his story at this point. Uh, thirty six thirty. There, I, I thought it. You know, for me, it was hands down the match of the evening. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was the match of the night. As much as I loved the Omega and Jericho match and I loved the four way, this was hands down the match of the night. Well, you know, as, as people, like, you know, people would ask me, why well, can't believe you didn't go with Omega Jericho? And, I, and my answer there was, I've seen that match. Yeah. I, I, I see that match regularly because I'm a Western based fan. It was every Chris Jericho match you've ever seen, and it was every Kenny Omega match the, you've ever seen. The Okada NATO match is something. That was unique to me. So maybe I did. Maybe I am raising a little bit more than, than I should. But, you know, I don't religiously follow New Japan. You know, I watch it a handful of times a year. And through you, I, I stay updated on what is happening. I know the major names and the players and the developments. But to actually sit back and take in that style is, is something unique and special. And to me, this one was hands down to stand out of the evening my god these guys just kicked the shit out of each other holy shit i can't believe that either one of these guys is going to be able to walk at new year's dash uh, and i was going to say you know this this right here is another another reason to tune into dash to see where where this fall is going to be you know where does where, where does the, okada where? go from here and what in the fuck does nato do now yeah you know, i it, i'm interested like you're saying there like okay where is nato going you know this this was that that opportunity that he has been trying to seize for. I mean, this has been a three year story for him, right, or a two year something like that. Um, he won the G one, I believe it was in twenty thirteen, and that's when they took the main event away from him, and they went with Tanahashi versus Nakamura as the main event. That would have been Wrestle Kingdom okay, nine. So, so for three years, three years, okay. four years. Somewhere so in this that is, this radius. Has been, this has been eating at him since then. That this was this is his spot. This is what he's wanted. This is what he's always thought he deserved. And then to come up short, you know, how is he going to come back from this? And then anyone on the other hand, you got Okada, who has now essentially elevated himself to to a wrestling god. Yeah. Yeah. And well, Okada you, put over NATO in the commentary. Where do gods go? I don't know what is next for Okada. I have no idea who is next for Okada other than Kenny. And I just don't see them going to that match. I always think it would almost be too soon, wouldn't it? The other thing that they put over on the commentary is Kota Ibushi versus Kazuchika Okada. I'm down with that. I'm absolutely down with that. I know they ain't going to put that title on Ibushi, but goddamn, do I want to see that match? Would you, would you be entertained with a short little program somewhere here? Even Cody getting a shot up in there? I just don't see it. Okada already beat him. Like that's the thing. Like now we're starting to legit run out of challengers for Okada. That's that's what I'm saying, you know. Because even I mean the Omega thing, yeah, it's exciting and all that, but let's face it, it Okada's proven that he's better. 30 years old, the longest reigning IWGP champion in history is 30 years old. How much money are they going to make with that guy over the next decade? And he's learning English, and it's not that bad. What do you think Vince McMahon thought of this show? (laughs) That's my big question coming out of this. What do you think Vince McMahon thought of this show? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to say he might watch some highlights of the Omega-Jericho match. Uh, the rest of it's going to be filled into him. He's going to have have the, the you know the cronies fill him in on what went down. I, I, I think the important I, I, I part of what went his, down... I still don't know if this is on his radar. I think the important part of what went down, they had how many goddamn people in there? Tokyo Dome was rocking. When they went to those big wide shots and you really saw the size of that crowd. WWE couldn't draw that crowd in the Tokyo Dome. I guess in comparison, it will be interesting to see 
in the upcoming months, especially this build towards WrestleMania, if WWE does alter their game plan in any way, or you know how they present themselves, or do they, you know, they keep that poker face where they still believe that this movement, this expansion by New Japan, is is still not on their level. Hasn't it already changed a little bit? Look at how many more matches we're getting on WWE TV that are going 17 minutes, 24 minutes. Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe are having, you know, 25-minute classics on Monday Night Raw. Isn't it already affecting the format just a I little think, bit? I think, I think it's just in such subtle ways. I'd, I'd be more curious. I, I think a tell here is going to be how much he invests in, in this revived Bullet Club. Yeah, that's that's a very telling sign, too. That's a very telling sign, too. You know, that, if they are if they are taken serious here, or are they are they just pushing merch? Or was this just like a one little... I could see it go either way, man. They could end up just killing these guys. Be like, eh, Bullet Club never... They suck anyway. And the other thing is, Vince could kill it within a month. If Vince McMahon comes to Kenny Omega and writes him a check that he cannot refuse, where does that leave New Japan? Man, and there's so so much at stake here, and so it, which makes it so interesting, so much speculation, so many possibilities. And we still go back to our core here, Chris Jericho. It's the X factor in everything. It's crazy to think that, you know, Chris Jericho... 2017 go back and watch some of the matches from 96 and just think that's the guy that's going to determine the future of professional wrestling <laughs> you know you know another just thought just kind of you know kind of occurred to me you know everyone was kind of thinking that you know jericho is there on behalf of wwe he's there to recruit omega to maybe talk to some other you know some other talents in that locker room what if the only what? person he's there to talk to is ghetto What's well, I'm saying? You know, what if this is you know doors can swing two ways? There's a lot of people and you know rumblings that we've heard over the last over the course of the last year. People are not very happy within the WWE structure. The problem is, where else do you go to get that kind of money to get that st- stability? Well, New Japan's looking to expand. Jericho could be I, I, that gatekeeper. You ever seen Jerry Maguire? Did you see uh, Jericho as the uh, professional wrestling sports agent bringing over American talent, playing the Conan role? Man, some, something, something could be put in. Hey, you've got that his ties with uh, Cyrus. <laughs> everyone, wants to look, everyone wants to look at it as if this is all some kind of ploy of, on behalf of WWE that they're looking for some people. This could be going another way. Jericho could be working both sides. You know, it's kind of like uh, the guys that were building the high-speed boats during the 80s, you know, big drug war. They were building it for the drug dealers and for the U.S. government. They were double-dipping. When one order came in, they just built a faster one for the other side. They were right in the middle. But the question becomes, like, I guess my question now, I thought Kenny should have come to WWE last year after Wrestle Kingdom. I thought that Kenny's stock would never be higher than it was after Wrestle Kingdom last year. I guess this year it could be debated that his stock is at least as high as it was last year. If Vince McMahon goes to Kenny Omega, takes a look at the uh, buy rates for Wrestle Kingdom and says, I'm going to offer you X amount of dollars, but... I'm going to offer you this signing bonus if you come right now. And it's a number that Kenny Omega cannot refuse. Where does that leave the New Japan expansion? Is Kenny Omega truly the key to this entire thing? Having a star that is Kenny Omega. I think it, I think it is a setback, uh, but I don't, think, I don't think it kills your momentum. Man. You just got you just got to retool it and keep moving forward. I think uh, you that's can never, a big you can never, blow. 
you can never worry about that in business uh, and set yourself up to a spot where that if you lose one functioning part, it shuts down the entire machine. And they are going to be, I know they're a lot smarter than that. I understand Kazuchika Okada is your centerpiece. He is your champion. He is your crown jewel. But when it comes to it, worldwide expansion, Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. And especially when you have the Young Bucks brain <laughs> working behind you because, I mean, good God, marketing team of the year. I think the Young Bucks should be considered for that if there's an award for it. Like Forbes magazine should be like the Young Bucks. Marketing genius. Anything else you want to say about Wrestle Kingdom, Rick? Uh, no, re really enjoyed the show. Glad that I stayed up for it. You know, it was, it was late. I didn't have any sleep. I didn't, didn't get my nap going in. Uh, but I was glad I stayed up for it. I am going to be tuning in uh, this evening or this, I guess the, in the morning for the dash. You're all I'm going to turn into vampires just like me. <laughs> <laughs> very interested to to see the developments within the promotion and all of this crazy possibilities that we could be seeing throughout the entire world of professional wrestling with the seeds that are possibly planted just last night at, at Wrestle Kingdom or this morning. I think bold prediction for New Year's Dash. All right. I think that tonight at New Year's Dash, somebody's getting thrown out of the Bullet Club. That's my big prediction. Question is, is it going to be Kenny or is it going to be Cody? Somebody's getting thrown out of the club. Because I think we're going to get Kenny versus Cody in Long Beach. Bum, bum, bum. So that's going to do it for us. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Make sure that you visit our support system over at thegorillaposition.com. I'm sure Ryan's going to have some killer Wrestle Kingdom articles and content coming up here in the next couple of days. Also, find us on Facebook, Hameen Media Group. Rick, anything you want to plug, promote, put over? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TheRealRBV. Uh, also, be sure to uh, give us a follow on Twitter, the Hameen Media, the Hacker Hameen Media Group. Uh, that is just Hameen Media Group I, on Twitter. As always, I don't over to Facebook. Do a search for the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Give us a uh, give us a like. Jump into all the great conversation. We've got a lot of a lot of great interactive features going on. We're getting ready for our our best of the best uh, top thirty two in the world tournament. Our selection seating show will be going down this Sunday. So still time to get your nominations in for your favorites. Over the, over the course of the last 12 months. That, that should be a lot of fun. And uh, like you said, man, just make sure that you go over on the daily and check out thegrillavision.com. I know that, you know, especially around Wrestle Kingdom, they're going to have a ton of great exclusives you're not going to find anywhere else. Keep in mind, too, we're gearing up for the Rumble. Going to have a whole lot of Hacker Hameen media coming at you. Get ready for that. I'm sure Rick and I will be covering NXT pretty close to live. He doesn't know that, but... It was our best episode ever. So, yeah, we're probably going to do that. That's it for us. You can find me on all social media platforms at Jargo. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!